The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, and I am here today with my special guest, Dr. Jolene Brighton. Dr. Brighton, welcome. Hi, Marie. Thank you for having me. So good to have you here. For those of you who might not know, Dr. Jolene Brighton earned her doctorate in naturopathic medicine from the National College of Natural Medicine after receiving a BS in nutrition And she's had extensive training in integrative women's health and autoimmune disease management. And she is practicing holistic pelvic care uh, provider. Having developed Hashimoto's following the birth of her son, Dr. Brighton is an advocate for the Hashimoto's community with special emphasis in fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum thyroiditis, which, by the way, we're going to talk about later today. She's the author of... Healing Your Body Naturally After Childbirth, The New Mom's Guide to Navigating the Fourth Trimester. Dr. Brighton is a regular contributor to several publications and websites. She often lectures on the subject of postpartum care, autoimmunity, and women's health. We're going to talk with her today, so don't go to her website right this minute. Make sure you pay attention to the show, but it is www.drbrighton.com. Dot com. Dr. Brighton, when I first realized that I was going to have you as a guest on my show, I said to myself, you know, I kind of think I know what a naturopath is, but on the other hand, I'm not really sure I know what a naturopath is. So I guess I need to take a step back and, and really think about what that means. And so I sort of poked around on the web. But for those of us who might not understand or fully understand what a naturopath is, Can you tell us a little bit about your training and what your degree and your license allows you to do? Yes. So the simplest way I like to articulate to people what a naturopathic doctor is, is that I'm trained in both conventional and alternative medicine. And my role is to really help people to navigate the space between understanding when it's time to use a pharmaceutical versus when you can employ natural therapies and even diet and lifestyle, recognizing that there's a time and a place for both. I am a licensed naturopathic doctor, so what that means is that I have past boards and state licensure examination, and I do have a governing board, which is an important uh, differentiation in that some states in the United States, people are allowed to refer to themselves as a naturopath, which is something very different than a naturopathic doctor. A naturopath. 
Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Ooh. Okay. So, um, yeah, I wanted to make sure that we, we hit on this point in that a naturopathic doctor has attended a four-year medical school that's accredited. And we have a governing body and we have multiple examinations we have to take before we're, we're allowed to have a license. And in addition to that, we need to have continuing education in, um, you know, all things medical, but also pharmaceuticals and ethics and pain management are some of, some of this particular requirements that we, we have to, uh, meet every year or every two years. But a naturopath is someone that doesn't have to have gone to any school. They don't need to have any form training, they don't have a governing body, and they don't have the training to be diagnosing, treating disease, or using pharmaceuticals. Does, so does that make just, sense? They can just hang their, their shingle out and call themselves a naturopath is what you're saying. Yes, and it really okay. it varies from state to state. Um, like Washington and Oregon are much stricter than other states, and you know there's particular states where these people are able to call themselves naturopaths, and that's usually when we see um, incidences of people people having been hurt, um, so to speak, because oh. people have gone to a naturopath and they're in the camp that they never want to see anyone who would have anything to do with pharmaceuticals. And, you know, as a naturopathic doctor, it's not our perspective that pharmaceuticals are bad or that everyone should absolutely be off them. Of course, we want to facilitate the body's ability to heal itself. And we want, we want people to be pharmaceutical free because they've healed themselves. But sometimes, you know, these pharmaceuticals, not only are they highly beneficial, but they're life-saving as well. Yeah, see, you're kind, you're my kind of a gal. You know that there's a time and a place for intervention and a time and a place for high-level intervention, a time and a place for no intervention. Uh, and I loved what you said about helping patients to navigate that space between. So help me with this, then. You can, in fact, prescribe a, a pharmaceutical medication just like a medical doctor, Yes. So there's certain pharmaceuticals that are out of our (coughs) scope, things that you would be using in emergency medicine. That's not something that we do. So Uh that that wouldn't be something that we're prescribing. But yes, we can prescribe pharmaceuticals. um, And, you know, the difference really in how we learn pharmaceuticals is that we will also learning botanical or herbal medicine and nutritional therapy at the same time we were learning pharmaceuticals so that we can understand when an herb or a nutrient might interact with that pharmaceutical pharmaceutical or when a pharmaceutical might actually deplete nutrients in the body and how we can utilize that pharmaceutical while still supporting the body in its own ability to heal and then looking deeper for the root cause. And that's really a differentiating point with naturopathic doctors is that as part of our training, it's always been demanded of us to think about the deeper issues before we start treating. So you can use an herb or a pharmaceutical in the same way to treat a symptom, but that's not really getting to the root cause. Does that mean it's, it's bad to do that? No, that doesn't mean it's bad at all, but, it, but it's something where I like to stay, take a step back and look a little deeper. Why is the body expressing in this way? And really get a good understanding of how we can reverse what's taking place and prevent what's coming on the road ahead without intervention. I'm totally on board with all of that. And for those of you who might not have heard 
She said naturopathic doctor, and that is N like in natural, D like in doctor. So this uh, is where she's coming from. She's not just standing up there calling herself something. She has, as she says, a governing board. So often, you know, I find that people, mothers, other people, just show up and go to the health food store. Now, trust me, I've seen them in there because I go to the health food store. <laughs> and they, I mean, they do. And they buy an herbal or other natural remedy. And I'm a little uneasy with this, probably because I'm a nurse. But also, I really believe that if just pulling an herb or a botanical medicine off from the shelf was really as simple as just asking the guy who's selling them, then why would we need an ND in the first place? So can you address this idea of self-medicating even if the medicine, so to speak, is a natural medicine? Should people be doing that? So this is a great point, and I'm glad that you bring it up because it's really important for people to understand that just because it's natural doesn't mean it isn't without side effects or it can't be dangerous. Any any substance can be dangerous. It just takes the right dose. So something uh, you know to think about when you're going into a supplement store is – you know, what, what are, what are your really in, your intentions with this? Is this to supplement your diet, like maybe using fish oil or something that's just to give you a little more nutrition, like food-based supplements can do? Or are you trying to treat something specifically? And why I caution people with that is because, you know, when I talk about health with my patients, they'll say, oh, you've given me all these answers and it seems so obvious. Why didn't I know this? Well, because when you're navigating your own health, it's, it's much like holding a book right against your face. It's yeah. too close to you to be able right. to read those words and decipher. So it's nice to have someone who can stand back and look at that and read those words to you and paint a nice big picture of what's taking place. The thing to be cautious about when you're going to the supplement store is that, you know, supplement health food store, everyone there is, is very well intentioned and they want to help you. And, um, you know, there, and it's not to say, I'm not going to speak ill of any of these people, but something we have to think about is who is training them and where are they getting their knowledge from? And a lot of times it's the supplement companies that are training them to say, if a person comes in and says this, this is what you want to use. But you know, that's not really getting to that root cause. And at the same time, you're an individual and your specific needs are not going to be the same as the person next to you. So it's just really important to understand, you know, who's giving you the advice recognizing that some herbs and nutrients, they can interact with drugs, they might be detrimental to your health um, if they're used in the wrong way. And not to mention, you know, not everything is safe in pregnant and breastfeeding women. And I wouldn't trust this to the person at the health food store to help you understand, you know, what would be the best for your body. I mean, that's where working with your healthcare provider really comes into play. So what about things like, I'm thinking if it was a pharmaceutical, I would worry about what somebody's liver clearance was. Do you worry about those things too? Oh, absolutely. We, you know, liver function, kidney function, that all has to be taken into account. And then what else, what else do they have going on? You know, there's certain herbs, um, you know, they're, they're intended for one thing, but the thing about herbs are they don't, they don't just treat one symptom. They affect multiple systems and they can have, they can have widespread effects. Same with supplements. So we have to be really cautious about how we, how exactly we're utilizing these and understanding, you know, yeah, if there's, if there's poor kidney or liver function, we don't want to overburden the system. So what about um, if I just go and I buy a preparation, how do I know if it is really, um, how do I know if my source 
is true. I'm not sure that's the right question, but do you know what I mean? I do. That's a great question because source is very important. And it's not just about who is the, who's the manufacturer that is packaging the supplement and sending it to you, but where are they sourcing their materials from as well? There's been you know countless times where it comes out in the news that a supplement isn't what it says it is. It's been mislabeled. Maybe they're getting things from other countries that the standards are much lower. So we've seen yeah. supplements come from other countries, the sourcing where they have heavy metals in them, and then you're taking heavy metals. So The source is very important. This is something that Prop 65 in California, it's a law that says anything that's a known carcinogen has to be labeled. They kind of, they go a little overkill with it. And I love that because it makes us pause and examine, you know, what's in these supplements and why, why are they putting a Prop 65 on it? But, you know, we want to see, you know, the source, quality control, and making sure that your supplements are being held to a high standard. So there's there's two things on the label. One is GMP, which is good manufacturing practices, which is, and you you want all your supplements to have that on there, but that doesn't really tell you how high of quality they are. And so I advise to look for NSAF on the label, which indicates third-party testing, which means this supplement company... They don't have to do third-party testing. The FDA doesn't require this. But this supplement company is believing so much in pure manufacturing and wanting to deliver the best product that they pay out of their pocket the extra step to have someone who has no financial gain to come and analyze their product and say, this is what it says it is or it is not. And in that regard, we get, we get, a, we get that extra set of eyes on there that doesn't make any money saying giving the thumbs up or a thumbs down on the supplement. So it's just right. one extra step you can take to protect yourself. And then you can even call the supplement companies themselves. Um, I encourage patients to do this if they, you know, if they want to start a product and I'm not familiar with it because it's not a company I've researched, I ask them, you know, here, here's questions you can ask. Like, do you do third-party testing? How do you ensure your product says, you know, is what in, da- in fact it says it is? Have you ever been recalled? Has there ever been any contamination? Um, do you clean the machinery between oh, batches, right. which right. is something that's really important? So, um, and why I say this is important is because some people, uh, some manufacturers are manufacturing hormones at the same time that they're doing herbs. And so if they're not cleaning their machines, you might get exposed to those hormones. Absolutely. All good points. I'm here today with Dr. Jolene Brighton, and I'd like to just say thanks to our sponsor, Mamava. That's M-A-M-A-V-A. They provide a modular suite that offers nursing mothers a safe, clean, and beautifully designed space to pump or nurse while they're away from home. Hey, don't go away. We'll be right back with Dr. Brighton. We're going to be talking about uh, medicinals that are specific to the postpartum and lactating woman. Don't go away. We'll be right back after a short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. 
Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, and I'm here today with Dr. Jolene Brighton, who is a naturopathic doctor, and among many other things, she is the author of The New Mom's Guide to... Oh, whoops, I'm sorry. It's (laughs) Healing Your Body Naturally After Childbirth. The subtitle is The New Mom's Guide to Navigating the Fourth Trimester. So we're going to pop her right into the uh, fourth trimester here right about now. For those of you who might not have heard that term, that's the next three months after pregnancy. So, uh, Dr. Brighton, we can get into some of the specifics a little bit later, but can you give us a list of and I'm thinking maybe the word is supplements, but a minute ago you used the word food-based supplements. So whatever it is that's not a pharmaceutical, uh, what would you say you most commonly prescribe for postpartum women and their babies? So I go into a lot of detail on supplements and herbs in my book that you just mentioned. Um, so if people are wanting to get uh, more into that, they can definitely look there. But you know, some of the most common things, aside from working with stress, diet, lifestyle, all those really foundational factors, is I, I generally prescribe probiotics, um, omega-3 fatty acids, so specifically constant, higher concentrations of EPA and DHA, which are just the forms of omega-3s. Yes. I recommend women stay on their prenatals. Um, and if they can have active vitamins, so like methylated folate and methylcobalamin, which is B12, that's even better. 
I find that magnesium is really helpful for new moms um, sleeping uh, at night and feeling relaxed. Uh, mm -hmm. And then in terms of herbs, um, a broad category of herbs I like to use are adaptogenic herbs, which support the adrenal glands, which is one way that we can feel more energetic and less stressed. And uh, another herb I commonly prescribe is passion flower, which is an mm. herb that helps with stress. And it actually works through the GABA receptors in the brain to make you feel really calm. Yeah, well, calm is one of the things we could all probably use. And I just want to mention for those listeners who might have heard her talk about uh, uh, methylation. We had a guest a few weeks ago that talked extensively about methylation. So we won't ask Dr. Brighton to uh, repeat that, but it was really pretty interesting to me. And um, all right, so let's talk about some issues where natural medicinals uh, can be helpful in the first month or certainly three months or thereabouts, um, either for the mother or the baby. I'm thinking about things like depression, cracked nipples, those sorts of things for mothers. But I'm also thinking about things for babies, uh, reflux, diaper rash. Uh, take it away, Dr. Brighton. <laughs> So whenever we're looking at any, any of these uh, issues like depression or some of, some of which are bigger um, symptoms that develop over time, we always want to be looking at what's the root cause and, and where, where is the depression really stemming from. So I just want to say that first because if you're feeling depressed because of your life situation or maybe your relationship with your partner, there's no amount of supplements or herbs that you can take that's oh, going to reverse that. You really you. have to be looking yes. at yes, the big picture. So um, I talk extensively about postpartum depression in my book and some of the things that I find are really helpful for my patients are omega-3 fatty acids, specifically fish oil. It feeds the brain and it lowers inflammation. Inflammation, as we know from the research, can be one of the big drivers of depression. Um, inflammation in the brain disrupts our serotonin pathway so that we're not able to make that happy neurotransmitter, which is another reason why um, turmeric can be really helpful. So turmeric is something that um, has been you know, used in, um, in Indian <laughs> culture for many years to help with breast milk supply, but it also helps with postpartum depression through lowering that inflammation. Um, we, of course, need to make sure there's no deficiencies taking place with nutrients, so like iron deficiency anemia or even a B12 deficiency. If you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain, you're, you're, you're not going to feel as happy. So also looking at what are those other underlying issues that maybe are more are nutrient-based. And we can't forget about probiotics anytime we talk about depression or even when we talk about diaper rash and baby. I love how much information is exploding about the microbiome currently. So oh, that's yes. your good gut flora. That can help with depression, with anxiety. It can certainly help with anything that's gut health related. And when we talk about diaper rash, you know, sometimes that's just that's a breach of the barrier of the skin because of urine sitting there. But it also can be, you know, when you get that that what some people term the allergy ring around the anus, baby's anus will be bright red. That can be yes. because of food sensitivities or a need sure. for probiotics. Yes. So um, you mentioned cracked nipples. 
crack nipples, I think uh, you're hard pressed to find a mom who didn't experience that at some point. Um, so prevention is definitely key. So you are exposing, yeah, and you're exposing the nipple to a really moist, dark environment. Um, a mouth is a perfect breeding ground for uh, yeast. <laughs> And other bacteria, and you know, our our skin has a natural barrier, a water protective barrier to it. But that definitely, it doesn't stand a chance against a, a hungry baby. So, if a woman has cracked nipples, I I recommend exposing yourself to sunlight as often as possible. Not not just going out and walking around topless, but you can sit in your window in a discreet place and get some sunshine because that's antimicrobial. That's also going to help with your mood and you're airing out. You want to air out the tissue. Same with diaper rash. I mean, anything that is at risk for antimicrobial takeover, we want to get some air to it, some good blood flow um, and, and keeping it dry as well. But in my book, I, oh, I'm sorry. Did you no, want to No, no, that's say okay. I was, I was just thinking, you know, I have been helping breastfeeding mothers for more than 30 years, and I have yet to know of any pharmaceutical that has actually helped sore nipples. I know there's a ton of products on the market. I, I don't really, I, you know, I'm of the opinion that, first of all, if you have a bad latch, you've got to fix the bad latch because no amount of this junk is going to do any good. And you made a real clear case for prevention, which I'm totally in that league. But I'm real surprised because I was sure you were going to have some, like, magic bullet for nipples. No? Ah, so I was just, I, you have such good timing. So in my <laughs> book, I have a recipe for making your own calendula salve, which mm. uses calendula. And um, the way you can get calendula oil, which is really easy if you're dealing with it right now, just get calendula oil. You can dry out your own calendula flowers. They grow like weeds. They pretty much grow everywhere. They're amazing. Um, calendula is an antimicrobial that also stimulates tissue growth and repair. So mm. calendula, you can make it as a salve um, or you can use the oil. And I have the whole recipe in my book. It's good for cracked nipples. It's fantastic for diaper rash as well. Um, that And so it's a two for one. And it's something that I tell moms, you can be putting it on your nipples and then putting it on baby's bottom. So, but here's the thing, nothing in baby's mouth. So if you want to, if you want to use uh, nipple creams of any kind, always be sure to dry them off or excuse me, wipe them off and then cleanse and dry the nipple well, because we don't want a baby ingesting any of this. A little bit of calendula isn't going to hurt baby, but you know, baby only needs breast milk in the beginning. Let's not, let's not put anything extra in there, but calendula salve works tremendously for cracked nipples, but you're totally right in that saying if there's not a good latch, like if there's a problem with breastfeeding, you you need to get some support. Uh, lactation consultants, um, even postpartum doulas, they are the unsung heroes of the postpartum woman's life. Absolutely. And I feel like they get, Absolutely. yeah, I just feel like they get so, so little praise, yet they're so amazing. Them and, and the nurses that are hanging out with you when you're birthing a baby, we just we just got to take a minute and let's just honor them because they're, they are <laughs> working a really hard job. That's for true. That's for true. And I will also tell you that sometimes what I see is that patients want me to give them some product. And I don't necessarily believe that product is going to work. But more importantly, if I just give them that, I have to help them to understand that that's not the root of the problem. And you're kind of singing that song throughout uh, this particular uh, show, which is Look at the root of the problem. Uh, so help me with this. A lot of kids nowadays uh, are told that they have, well, the parents are told that the baby has a reflux. 
And so a lot of them will come along with uh, pharmaceuticals, which I don't know if they need or not. I'm not even sure they really have reflux. But what do you do for kids with reflux? So I love that you bring up the, you know, a lot of kids are, they're coming in with reflux because, and and you're not sure that it is reflux because it it comes back to that point where parents are so desperate to sleep that they're just looking for that one thing. If you think it's reflux and and you're getting projectile vomiting with that, you need to see your doctor right away. So we always want to rule out anything big, scary, like pyloric stenosis, which is, you know, a a much more serious condition than a mild reflux happening um, after baby's meals. One thing that I ask my patients to consider is getting some kind of body work done. So whether that's cranial sacral or chiropractic, but the small human just had its head pass through a very, very small space. And so sometimes it can just be a little bit of body work to get things working um, in terms of breastfeeding and digestion. We also want to elevate baby while they're eating and about 20 to 30 minutes after feeding. And reflux can sometimes just be an issue that that is in the short term and will go away as baby matures. Matures. yeah, mm-hmm. so this is something you might not have to do this, you know, for for a good six months, and and often it's it could be just a six to twelve week scenario where you're elevating baby and you know putting a little bit of co- um, some coasters or folded up cardboard at the head of the crib or wherever you have baby sleeping to just elevate them a bit at night is is a really simple trick for helping letting gravity help you with keeping the food down, and you know if it persists and it's really problematic, that's when we start talking about maybe mom should. Consider Consider an elimination diet. There was research showing that low FODMAP diet, which is a particular diet that takes out fermentable carbohydrates, was beneficial for colicky babies and pre- preventing um, gas and bloating episodes. And so wow. that's something that can be beneficial for moms to try too. It's usually best if you're working with a nutritionist or um, this is something I work with as well to help you really identify what foods are problematic because you're breastfeeding, you've got a high caloric demand. And we really want to make sure you're meeting your caloric needs and also not getting completely stressed out by all of this. Absolutely. And before we come uh, back, I would just like to tell the audience what is on my website, and I'm sure it's on Dr. Brighton's website as well. I just want you to understand that what we are offering you here is information and very good good information, but this is not medical advice. So you really need to be careful with um, understanding where we're coming from. But where we're coming from and where we're going to is to break, and we'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? 
If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, and I'm here today with Dr. Jolene Brighton. One of the things that I hear so much when I'm teaching my comprehensive lactation course, I just got back, by the way, from San Diego teaching that course. I also teach a review course, and the thing that always comes up is fenugreek, fenugreek, fenugreek. And I stand on the same spot I did umpteen years ago, which is there is no formal evidence that I'm aware of that supports the idea that fenugreek is effective. What say you? Well, you're right that there's not a whole lot of evidence out there. Um, There's been a small amount of evidence. There was a small trial in which they had 66 mothers, and they found that euphenogreek did increase breast milk and infant weight gain. But that's 66 mothers. There's no robust evidence out there and we haven't seen uh, we haven't seen the degree of research coming out regarding fenugreek as we have about some of the other herbs. Um, interestingly enough if you go to look for research on fenugreek you'll actually find um, uh, research articles published on goat trials. So goat as in the animal <laughs> oh, right. and right. It actually they found there that it increased milk production feeding goats um, fenugreek. So there is some efficacy to using the herb but it's something important to note that you can't use fenugreek in the same way you use some pharmaceuticals. Uh, it's not really going to work in the same way. And herbal medicine doesn't work as in you have a decreased milk supply, therefore just keep, take fenugreek. If you're ignoring other factors that are at play, you're not going to see the benefits from this herb. Yeah, one of the things I frequently tell people is I don't really object if you do this, but it is not a substitute for good breastfeeding management. The one that always jumps to my mind is frequency. But I'm interested in what you just said a minute ago about, um, oh, you said something really good there. <laughs> uh I lost it. It's okay. Uh, That's all right. <laughs> well, you, 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 you do follow what I'm saying, though, which is, oh, I know. You said it wouldn't work in the way that a regular pharmaceutical would. Okay, so if I take a Motrin for my uh, pain in my knee, I'm expecting it to work within a half an hour or so. Are you telling me that an herbal or a botanical medicine does not necessarily work in a quick way, or are you saying something different? So first, natural natural therapies can take 
time to work. Some of our herbs, they do work. A passion flower that I mentioned earlier in the show, you can take a couple dropper fools of that, of a liquid tincture, and you're going to start feeling the effects in a good 10 to 20 minutes, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. But what I was trying to illustrate with fenugreek is that, you know, if you're, if you're completely stressed out, you're back at work as a mom, you're not mm-hmm. pumping regularly, you right. are having trouble breastfeeding, and you take fenugreek to increase your milk supply, it's just not going to work in that way. Whereas, you know, some other, you know, maybe I got the way I explained that wasn't so clear in that, you know, some herbs will work in that way in terms of mood enhancement or settling your stomach. But when it comes to milk supply, it's usually a multifactorial approach that that wins Uh at the end of the day. Yes, yes, yes. So I go back to what I say to people, which is the, the fenugreek is not a substitute for doing all of the other things that we know do improve milk supply. Would you would you meet me there? Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you, you always got to just look at, you know, the very foundational of how is, how is your breastfeeding relationship to begin with? Are, you know, right. are you struggling in some way? Are you hating this? Are you feeling like you don't have time at work to be able to pump? Or are the night feedings weighing on you and, and maybe you're not getting up as often? And, you know, there's no judgment around any of this, but it's something you need to take an honest look. If you want to bring up your milk supply, it may be, it may be more about reducing your stress levels and making space for you to be able to pump than it than it is in taking any amount of herbs. Yeah, you know, talk to us a little bit about because a lot of things like when people say to me, "Oh, I heard oatmeal will make me have more milk supply." I'm like, "Good. Eat the eat, eat the oatmeal. It's low calorie, high fiber, blah blah blah, whole grain. I'm I'm good." But I worry a little bit about the fenugreek. What about the side effects to fenugreek? So I think it's excellent you're bringing this up because, again, people just think, oh, it's an herb. It can be nothing but good. But, you know, fenugreek in high amounts, firstly, in a tea, it doesn't taste awesome. Some women are fine with it. I don't think it tastes great. (laughs) But um, it can cause intestinal cramping and even diarrhea. In some patients who are taking a lot of it, they might start to have a maple uh, maple syrup oh, kind of yeah, odor, yeah. Um, which is something important to know that if your urine starts to smell funny, um, it might be the more the fenugreek than you having a urinary tract infection, but still good to follow up on it with your doctor. Um, and then, of course, there's the side effect of like the intended pers- purpose, which is having too much breast milk. And I've certainly known women who just... They, they say, I think I'm going to have trouble with breastfeeding. I'm not even going to wait to see. I'm just going to start taking all of, all of these galactagogues, these, these milk-enhancing herbs, and, and then they have blocked ducts which we know oh, can lead to mastitis. Yeah. And, and that can be problematic as well. And so it, it, you know, it can work a little too well. Another, oh, what, um, oh, I just wanted to mention one more side effect that doesn't get talked about a lot, which is um, taking care in diabetic patients and people with hypoglycemia. Because it can, oh, great. <laughs> so yeah. it can lower blood sugar. It takes a significant amount to see that, and it's not universal. But here's the thing. You're an individual, which means you, know, you have different genes than you know, your neighbor next door. You need to see how it works for you. It's the same as pharmaceuticals. They don't work the same for everyone. Our genes play a role. Yes. So you know, if you're someone who has diabetes or struggling with hypoglycemia, definitely chat with your doctor first because you want to know what to look out for. And you want to make sure that you're, you're taking the best care of your body. What about uh, cross-reaction with peanuts? 
So there is some evidence out there. I've, I haven't seen patients um, with peanut allergies to have too many of issues, but it's something I definitely use caution around yeah, that, yeah. you know, if, if we can have that cross reactivity, I'm, I'm just in the camp of, I'd rather play it safe than sorry. And especially when I'm dealing with moms who, who have a duty to fulfill, which is very important, taking care of baby. Yeah. To me, that conversation has to happen. Do you know what I mean? I'm not necessarily going to say, oh, if you have a peanut allergy, you're going to have a uh, a problem with the fenugreek, but I'm going to say uh, uh, that conversation needs to happen. You can't just say go down to the local health food store and buy this stuff and you know be happy for the rest of your life. Uh, but anyway, I let's go. Agree. Yeah, yeah. Let's go on the other end, which is most women that I bump into in a day don't don't have enough milk or think they don't have enough milk or whatever the terminology is. But there are also people who have, as you mentioned, too big of a supply. I can think of one, uh, more than one woman, but one in particular who just leaked gobs and gobs and gobs of milk, her whole postpartum uh, course. So what about milk suppressants? I really don't know much about this. Do you? How Can, can you enlighten us? What about yes. sage, mint, that kind of stuff? Does it work? So one thing I would say is if you are a woman who produces too much milk, you might want to consider donating to a milk bank. Uh, um, bingo, yes. Yeah, I donated a lot of milk. Um, so as and we a, had the milk so, bank lady on earlier who, who really wanted that, yes. <laughs> yeah, so that's fantastic. I mean, if you, if you can do it, you're not too uncomfortable. That's something to consider because you can really help out other mothers. And it's, it's really a gift. Um, but if you are needing to reduce your milk supply, so first thing, be cautious. If you're not ready to wean, this stuff might act really, really well in your body, and you don't want to dry up your milk supply. So sage tea, it, it can reduce your milk supply. We use it for hyperhidrosis, which is a, a condition where you sweat excessively. We, sage is just a very drying herb. So um to use sage, you can use it as a tea or a tincture, which is a liquid extract. It's usually an, it's, it's going to be an alcohol extract of the herb. But if you're going to use sage, I would recommend starting with a tablespoon of dry sage in, in about a cup of boiling water and steep it for about a good 10 minutes and start with one cup a day and see where you're at. You can brace always- yourself for how terrible it tastes. Yeah, so um, <laughs> so here's a trick. Mix it in V8 juice. If you like V8 oh. juice, it, it oh. goes into that really easily. Um, you can also add it to, you can make yourself your own chicken soup and then add it to the, your own bowl of broth, adding yeah. some more sage. To it I could see as that. Just a way, okay. Yeah, I mean, getting it in with the foods that you would take it in with anyways. But start slow. To so start with one cup, you can work up to six cups in, in a day and that's, that's going going to be safe, but you might have a really dry mouth and you might not be sweating so much. Um, but one cup a day is where I like women to start because if it works, if it works too well, it's hard to get that milk supply back. So we want to be cautious yeah. with that. If you're using a tincture, I recommend uh, 30 to 60 drops starting with twice a day and you can work up to about three to five times a day from there. So what about side effects for sage? Anything? So, the, like I was saying, um, if you well, are not having had, enough milk, yeah, right, um, yeah. But 
Yeah. So there's not having enough milk and then it's very drying. So people will find that they get really dry mouth. Um, it can, because it, it, it can start shifting the fluids in your body. Some people feel, uh, can start to feel really nauseous. Vomiting is, is definitely, um, an issue with it. If you go way overboard, some people can develop vertigo. Um, your heart may even become a, a little rapid. And because it's so drying, if you're somebody who already has a lung condition, it could lead to wheezing as well. Now, everything that I list is very, uh, you're going to have to take a whole lot of it. And you're, it's very, very difficult to do that with sage. As you mentioned, it doesn't taste good when you get to the tincture. That's where it can be a little, little more, um, of an issue, but that's why I always say start low, go slow, because you want to have the, the most appropriate dose for you. Well, just a minute. I want to talk about the mint tea because mint tea actually tastes good. And yes. so so I've had people tell me that they were told that they shouldn't have the mint tea because it might dry up their milk. And I'm thinking, well, I, I'm pretty sure it's in the same family of herbs, but it seems to me like you'd have to drink 85 gallons, right? So peppermint, what, but what people usually do is they start using peppermint essential oils um, to be able to dry up milk. Sage works much better. Peppermint okay. tea in low dose isn't really going to have that big of an effect. It's great for if you have indigestion um, and you're having you know, a little bit of gas, peppermint's great for that. And it's totally safe to take while you're breastfeeding. But it's when you start going really high dose or really high concentrations of that. But I, I haven't had a woman yet that's needed to go beyond the sage. Amen. All righty. Well, I'm here today with author of Healing Your... I'm sorry, I keep getting this... No, I got it right this time. The author yeah, of Healing, okay. Healing the Fourth Trimester, um, Dr. Jolene Brighton. And we will be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. 
Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Dr. Jolene Brighton, author of Healing Your Body Naturally After Childbirth, The New Mom's Guide to Navigating the Fourth Trimester. So, Dr. Brighton, you talk on your website about postpartum thyroiditis as being one of your interests. We don't have a time to go through this in depth today, but I know that this is a real passion for you. Help us to understand a little bit about what it is, when somebody should start questioning if that's what ails them, how to get help, that sort of thing. So I am uh, very interested in postpartum thyroiditis because mm. this is something I experienced as a new mom and, and didn't really know that this, this was even something that was possible on the horizon for me. So you're oh. right. I do have a lot of information about this on um, my website that people can visit. But postpartum thyroiditis is an autoimmune thyroid condition that's triggered by childbirth. And it's estimated that it affects anywhere from 10 to 17% of mothers every year. So it's 10 to 17% of, of women giving birth every year are affected by this condition. And we tend to see symptoms arising. They, they really take hold generally around the three to six month mark for women. Yeah, it can okay. start traditionally with uh, filling. So the, the traditional postpartum thyroiditis is you start with hyperthyroid symptoms, which is too much thyroid hormone, where you feel anxious, that anxiety comes out of nowhere, you're having difficulty sleeping, maybe you're having loose bowels and, and a little bit of a tremor. And then it can progress into hypothyroidism, which is too low of thyroid hormone. And this is where a lot of women start to notice symptoms and the majority express themselves. And you know the tricky thing about it is that the symptoms of hypothyroidism, those are depression, fatigue, weight gain, hair loss, some of the things that we see in moms during during that period of time anyhow. But we also see cold intolerance coming up. So women are feeling really cold, maybe cold hands and feet. A reduction in breast milk supply can be a sign of this. And then having a joint and muscle aches and just feeling an overall intolerance for exercise or, or movement in general and having a hard time recovering, those can be some big signs that something more is going on. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about these women who say to me when they get, it's often right around three or four months, and they're starting to have a decreased milk supply, and they tend to have some other kind of vague symptoms And I say to them, have you had your thyroid levels checked? And they say, oh, yes, yes, I had that done at six weeks postpartum. And I say, you know what, that's really great, but this is now three months or four months postpartum. Uh, Do you think there's some correlation there? Am I on to something or not? Oh, absolutely. So that's where both myself clinically and the research shows us that postpartum thyroiditis 
really wow. starts to manifest itself. And it can be really difficult for women to get a diagnosis because, like I said, these symptoms look so much like what you experience in postpartum. But what I encourage patients, you know, if they're if they think they have postpartum thyroiditis or they just overall feel like something's not right, you know, for your women that are hearing this, if you think something's not right, well, you're the only one who lives in your body. You know best. Yeah. And yes. so it's always wise to dig a little bit deeper. And I really encourage people to test beyond the TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone, uh-huh. and look at your free hormones, free T4, free T3. But very, very importantly is to screen for both anti-TPO and anti-thyroglobulin antibodies, which are the autoimmune antibodies that we see that latch onto the thyroid and lead to the, to the attack of your immune system on your thyroid gland. So let me understand then, their TSH could be just perfect, but they could still have the thyroiditis. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So autoimmunity is a spectrum. You can have these early antibodies taking place and lots of inflammation, and that can disrupt your conversion of thyroid hormone. And we'll definitely have a whole, (laughs) we could have to have a whole nother talk about all of this, but it's possible to have the antibodies, but still have a thyroid that's functioning really well because there hasn't been enough destruction to the tissue for you now to require a medication to, to be able to meet the needs and the demands of your body. Yeah, one of the things that I try to remind nurses is that these autoimmune things, whether it's this or anything else, you know, uh, psoriasis, whatever, I say, look at, you know, these things are triggered by stressful events. And hello, childbearing is a stressful event. So you know that all of us want to read more about this. We want to know more about you. Some of us would love to have you next door, except that you're 3,000 miles away from me. But anyway... (laughs) um, We know that you have written Healing Your Body Naturally After Childbirth. It is available on Amazon, both in the uh, uh, hard copy as well as the Kindle version. I just want to pose this to you, though. There are like a gazillion books, and we can't read them all, especially if we have a tiny baby at home. So why is it especially important that new mothers read your book, uh, Healing Your Body Naturally After Childbirth? Well, I got to be honest with you. This is the book I wish I had when my son was born. And that's Uh what I wrote. I wrote a very comprehensive book. It gives you the information you need, practical tips to heal your own body, and recommendations of when it's time to call a doctor. The whole book is just designed for you to have as a resource. I have mastitis. Here's the natural remedies to try. And here's when I better get the doctor involved so that you can really start to understand how you can take care of yourself. I just can't help but say that to me, some of the best books or courses or whatever in the whole world are those that evolved because the person who is writing, teaching, whatever, needed it herself. Absolutely. And so I think that you come from a place of, wow, this is what I wish I could have pulled off the shelf so that I could know, was I going nuts? Did it, was this a real problem? Is this a problem I can solve? Is this a problem somebody else has to solve? Uh, yeah, that is tremendous. Where can we find you on the web? You can find me on my website, which is drbrighton.com. My last name is with an E, not an O. So that's D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N. And I wanted to let some of your listeners know that we're interested in, you know, I was talking a little bit about diaper rash. If they want to grab a free ebook, they can do that on my website, drbrighton.com. 
slash natural child. And that has a, a bunch of information on the top five childhood ailments. And so some of the things we, we touched on today but couldn't really go deep in, you can find that um, at drbrighton.com slash natural child. And you can download that book for free. And wouldn't it be great if we just all had a Dr. Brighton to take care of us every day? That would be just tremendous. Well, I would like to so much thank Dr. Jolene Brighton, MD, for talking with us today. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. I'm so glad. Well, I hope it was fun for all of you who are listening, and I'm also hoping that you will in. Join us next week for another episode of Born to be Breastfed. I'd like to thank Mamava, M-A-M-A-V-A dot com for being our sponsors. And I'd like to invite all of you to be just as enthusiastic. Take a look at what we have coming up next week. Come to my website. It is borntobebreastfed.com, where I have a little blog. If you are a uh, professional and you want to know what's going on with my professional courses and stuff, uh, you're certainly welcome to find us at any place, but uh, the professionals will probably find a best fit at breastfeedingoutlook.com. Remember that I'm uh, in your city or I'm on the web, I will be giving online courses. Uh, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education about breastfeeding and lactation. And I will repeat that for you. It's borntobebreastfed.com for parents, breastfeedingoutlook.com for professionals. I'm Marie Biancuzzo, and I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.